Super Street Fighter 2! We own the streets this summer. Genesis Capcom Super Nintendo Entertainment System. 1994 Capcom Super Street Fighter 2 is a trademark of Capcom. Capcom is a registered trademark of Capcom Co. Limited Super Nintendo, Nintendo, and the Nintendo Entertainment System are registered trademarks of Nintendo Americans Incorporated. Sega and Genesis are trademarks of Sega Enterprises Limited. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. I am Rick. And I am Thomas. With the random banterers. Don't want to random no more. With the the random banterers and maybe tonight maybe tonight you'll be gone random banter time my buddies talk to me tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today well i know the song has warriors in it but i do not know the song dream warriors by Dawkins. Ye- <laughs> as soon as he said it, I was like, he's singing Dream Warriors by talking. <laughs> by talking. <laughs> Rocking with talking. And, and why, oh, why would I pick a, a song about Dream Warriors for this set of comics we will be covering? Well, gosh, it can only be because we're in our third third collection of new warriors so uh yeah yep <laughs> yes. yep 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 and, and and the song was used in nightmare on elm street movie yes, it was. you know dream warriors and you know, boy there's a lot of nightmarish stuff going on in here ah but yes mostly because it has the words warriors in it spoilers no, I, I i'm can, using a random banter that has a warriors in reference <laughs> in it in each thing that i'm going to be doing so <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I, I can see it. I can definitely see it. And it was a very good choice. And I might not have known the exact song title or who sang it, but our awesome guest does. Thomas, what can I say? how are you doing, sir? I'm doing much better now that I have Dream Warriors stuck in my head. Awesome. <laughs> You're very, you and everyone else, very, very welcome. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yes. Yeah, I'm also very, very sorry. <laughs> I like, That's the music I grew up on. That's why I know it so well. I am an 80s <laughs> child. I, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think we yeah. later part of the '80s, but definitely '80s too. Love that music, and I may not have the song stuck in my head, but I have Dream Warriors stuck in my head. I've got that Nightmare on Elm Street stuck in my head, and I may have only seen it twice. And I remember lots of parts of that movie because I saw it way too young. <laughs> Traumatized. <laughs> Traumatized. <laughs> so Thomas, yes, sir. Like we have been doing for all of our guests for this, he is an expert about new warriors or he tells us he is i mean he's got his own website newwarriors.com correct yes that is me and it's just recently well now it's been a couple of years it's blur since covid but it's over 20 years old <laughs> so i've had it for a while before that, that it was geo cities and all that stuff so it's evolved from geo cities to its own domain nice. well i need to say thank you very much because 
I have stolen from it like nobody's business as I have worked on crafting this monstrosity over the last three episodes and to next episode as well. I, I, I have that open in one window and I've got like comic books next to me and you know sometimes going to Marvel uh, Unlimited for some of the really weird stuff. And yeah, so thank you. Thank you for yeah. letting me crib off of your stuff. Yeah. I'm just glad someone's getting use out of it. I spent a lot of time doing it, so it's good to hear someone got out a use out of it. I'm trying to oh, yeah. hide his crimes as best I can, but uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, that's a it's just copy like, and paste of what Tom wrote. Yeah, some of it, and that's why I'm like, you know, it's like writing a very important paper for school. Well, if I change this word, now it's my perfect uh, initial IP. It's my own creation. I changed two words and I switched switch the order. It's a whole new sense. Whole new sentence. <laughs> Instead of saying zero G, I just wrote Alex Power instead. That makes it mine, that makes right? It mine, yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really appreciate it, and I'm so glad My that pleasure. you joined us. We need all the help we can get. We know Power Pack. I did collect new warriors, not at this time, so I'm actually coming through and reading these on the side. So having somebody here who is a real expert of new warriors is helping us so much, and we. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As far as other random banter, I have nothing else interesting going on in my life except, you know, work, work, work. That's about it. That's fun. Work, work. Work, mm -hmm. work. That's all it is. I know that, you know, before we started, I asked Thomas to turn his fans away from him because, you know, I could hear it. And he's like, okay, I can do it, but I'm going to, you know, die in my my house. And I'm like, oh, it's hot? It is. It is a scorcher here in mm. San Diego. The weather has not been kind, and it doesn't help in this house that has poor AC. Uh, Besides dealing with the bad weather, is there anything else enjoyable going on in San Diego at this point in time for you? Uh, there's something that I think that's been pretty popular everywhere. It's something called COVID. Mm. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I hear that's ruined everything. It's the new hotness. It's yeah. ruined everything. So, yeah, I mean, the one benefit is I guess I get to work from home right now. So that's that's a benefit. So. It's it's nice to be able to work from home and not have to deal with people, which yes. means that I miss people. People, yeah. <laughs> you get tired of working at home and you get tired of not seeing people, even the ones that <laughs> vaguely annoy you, like, you know, the ones out there. So. Yes. <laughs> and when Jeff said that, he was pointing to his family. It was pretty awesome. Ixnay <laughs> 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 on the family. Yeah. <laughs> and I Jeff mean, won't be appearing in the next episode, by the way. Yeah, you never know. Not if they hear. They're not going to listen to it, so they won't know, but that's okay. I just gave up. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is my family motto. I'm not going to give up on you, Jeff. I have absolute faith in you. So much faith that I'm going to give you an opportunity to give me a two-sentence replay of what happened last episode. While Night Thrasher is away, Nova decides that the new warriors should go play refugee helpers in Rwanda, where they are promptly spanked as hard as humanly possible by the mysterious and super-powered military organization called the Soldiers of Misfortune, who are then in turn spanked as hard as humanly possible by Cardinal, Power Packs, Turbo, and Nova, who sink the bad guy's sub and rescue all of their captured teammates except for Chimera, which cheeses off Namor something fierce when he finds out later that only surface dwellers were saved. Later, when Night Thrasher returns to see all the dumb as bricks things that occurred without his leadership, he is kicked off the team by Nova, so he decides to lead a new superhero team with the recently just killed a kid while he was in a squirt gun fight with his friends, quote unquote superhero team Psionics, which is as good an idea as the super-powered Nova leading the new warriors, which he isn't anymore because the Nova Corps stripped him of his powers. Now that the, there's also a lot of mugging to the camera, DreamWorks style, in these books, two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? 
My pleasure, my friend. I would like you to reach into that lovely, lovely paper bag that I have given you with a beer in it and uh, surprise yourself. And then tell me why you think I might have picked this beer. Let's treat myself with a surprise. <laughs> Spider City Brewing Company, Widow Stout. Oh, that's nice. a good looking can. That is black and silver. That's heavy metal. <laughs> that is great. That has got a uh, a nice, you know, circled spider symbol up top and a little spider going down a web line. And there's a big, cool silver spider, spider web. That is just an awesome looking one. Oh, boy. Why? Spider City. Spider-Man's logo. Yeah, that is basically straight up <laughs> Spider-Man's logo. And yes, it, it's all about webs and web borders and spiders and Spider-Man in the city. The big brewing city whose story time is... Spider City Brewing Company, brewed in Bend, Oregon. Very, (laughs) very evocative story time there. It's because this is just covered with spider symbology. And so are these books that we're going to cover. I think we've got 13 books to go through. And they're all basically Spider-Man, Scarlet Spider, spider Spider-Side, Spider-Clones, clonage. Lots of clones. Lots lots, and lots of clones. clones. I I was going to go for a clone beer, but I decided that, wow, this one just spoke to me. That's that's what I say. It's perfect. Yeah, you could have done a Dos Equis. (laughs) Yeah, Dos Equis. Yeah, that would have worked, too. Yeah. Uh, Widow Stout by Spider City Brewing Company, 4.6 ABV, 36 IBU. Our stout combines dark roasted malts with cocoa, creating a sweet, rich stout. It's delicious on nitro, which we don't have nitro, unfortunately, but we got a can. That's what we are drinking. I need to pass this over to Thomas, who is not around us, so I couldn't get him one of these beers. But I was wondering, are you drinking something that is reminiscent of these comics, sir? In a roundabout way, I am. I no longer drink alcohol. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I am drinking something that, ironically, I enjoy drinking way too much, probably. And it is, in a roundabout way, related to one of the members of Power Pack, actually. I am actually drinking Coke Zero, as -hmm. in Zero G. Hey! Hey, Alex Power, right here. (laughs) We will take that. We will take that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I appreciate it. I understand. And I think that is a fine, fine beverage for you to be drinking on a hot day yes. the day when we are talking about a book that i guess contains alex power sure he's there <laughs> it's he's why there. we're here right yeah he's he's Supposedly, there yes. uh he pops up and then gets you know he gets uh taken off the shelf from time to time and then dusted off a little bit and then forcefully put back on into the shelf and in the backest corner that you can possibly do and stuff gets stacked on top of them with our beer mm-hmm. it says dark malty and cocoa smelling as you would expect it is black as anything it's yep. one of my favorite kinds of beers i can hold it it's up like and, guinness yep i can hold it up and not see jeff so that's always a good sign yeah that's his uh <laughs> benchmark for uh, darkness of beer i mean I, what's I, his I, opacity what's my jeffness that i can see <laughs> I Zero. The white guy shine through it <laughs> no I, I hold this up to the light and it eats light <laughs> Yeah, you are drinking what they call a black hole. It (laughs) really is. That is, uh, I'm going to call it opaque, but you know, it's not due to stuff in it. It is just black. That is a black stuff. No light is escaping. No light is escaping on this at all. Uh, Let's see what it tastes like, though. It tastes fine. There was a hesitation in that. Fine. Well, no, because. Fine. (laughs) I'm looking for like the flavor profile where I'm kind of like, okay, I guess at the very end, after a while, you're getting a little bit of cocoa nibs, but it kind of just comes in as like, hi, I'm a dark stout. Okay. Yes. And what? And what? 
That's yeah. what I am. So it is, I was looking for some complexities in the flavor. It's mm-hmm. nice. It's a good flavor. It's just, I was looking for the, oh, and here's this flavor here. And oh, and then this flavor comes up on the tongue and it just kind of goes, I'm a dark stout. And then it stays there. You're seeing something this black. You're expecting something to just come in being very, very aggressive. Mm-hmm. It comes in and it's like, yo, what's up? How's it going? Yeah. It's, there, there, there's nothing there. It's it's very, it's not flat, but it's just, it's smooth. It's mellow. It's not there's nothing strong or exciting about it. And then, like Jeff said, at the end, eh, a little bit of cocoa. Yeah. It, it doesn't, like, wrap around your mouth like a blanket, like some stouts will do, where you go, oh, I'm eating, like, sorry, I can't talk right now. I have bread in my mouth. This is just, like, it's the, it's the neighbor you like to see. And, hey, buddy, hey, it's going good. Cool. I'll talk to you later. All right. You've, you've had a great interaction. You moved on. So what I'm hearing is if this beer were to be radioactive, you'd get no superpowers drinking it because it has no bite. That's right. That's right. Like That's a right. spider yeah. bite. Like a spider yeah. bite. See what I was trying to do there? Ah, you you cool can go ahead and edit out that no, no, bad no, joke. No, we'll keep it. It's better than half the stuff we say. I'm liking it. That, that, that. This is why I didn't rewrite the script. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling it. No, I, I, it's fine. It's not offensive beer at all. It's just okay. It's very mellow. It's very chill. It's very relaxed. It's a weird stout because it's just not exciting yep it, we're not going to get superpowers we're not going to have an origin story from it but uh we'll enjoy the experience it's very ben riley <laughs> which one is that is that the clone because i honestly i don't know anymore i can't tell they all are and are not clones it is just wait who is <laughs> i want to super get into it just yet but i don't yeah. understand how this got approved by marvel how they took <laughs> their biggest franchise character spider-man and said, let's train wreck everything about him. We're, we'll get into that. We'll get into I have, that. I have theories. We'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a podcast about it. That's a great so. idea. <laughs> no, and no time like the present. And with that, let's move on to creator talk. And with these multi-issue, multi-book arcs, there's just a lot of creators to mention. So we're going to just highlight the writers of the arcs and mention any other creators that stand out during our review. And in this one, it seems pretty easy about New Warriors. It looks like we mostly have even Skolnick and Patrick Zerker and Andrew Pepoy. They're the pencilers. Looks like that is pretty much constant throughout. Spider-Man, Maximum Clonage. We've got Tom DeFalco and Todd DiZego as writers. Web of Spider-Man. We're back with Evan Skolnick. We do have Paris Coronis being the uh, penciler on Web of Spider-Man. There is some consistency when it comes to the writers. Looks like we've got a pretty even team for this one. It's not a lot of real mix-up, which is kind of nice, I guess, for the most part. Thomas, you are a little more, lot more familiar with these writers than we are in this, these creative teams. Do you have anything you want to talk about any of them? Mostly about Evan and Patrick Zercher. Personally, I actually really enjoyed what they did with New Warriors. I felt like when Fabian left with 50 or 51 and Evan and Patrick took over, I felt like it was a very smooth transition. It didn't feel like Evan took over and then said, I don't like where this is that I'm going to drop these characters, introduce these characters and, you know, shuffle all around. He really felt like he just picked up what Fabian was doing and rolled with it. And I felt like Patrick's art was very close to what we already saw. So it didn't feel like a huge transition between when one team left to the next. And Evan, I run a New Warriors Facebook group. He's in it as well as Fabian. Nice as can be, both of them. They, 
interact. They take the time to answer some questions that get asked. Super nice people. So that's another bonus that I think is just incredible that these people who I idolized when I was reading these comics, I can now freely speak to thanks to the wonderful world of social media and the internet. And a lot of times they say, hey, don't meet your heroes. I've met Fabian a number of times at several conventions. I have my New Warriors poster signed. I have a bunch of New Warriors books signed. He takes the time to talk. Like, I'm a big fan of totally unrelated to New Warriors, but a character called Adam X. I'm actually wearing a shirt of him, which Fabian created. And mm-hmm. I brought a bunch of books and a, an original print of Adam X from one of the books in Captain Marvel. And Fabian sat there and talked to me for a good half hour. So just super cool people that I'm just really happy to know. I like that. I like that a lot. I know that within what we've been doing with Power Pack, we've had a lot of same experiences. We haven't mm-hmm. had as much experience to meet them in person, but we've done a lot of Zoom meetings. We've done a lot of interviews with June Brigman and Louise Simonson nice. and Carl Potts. Mm-hmm. And so we've had that opportunity to interact yeah. with these creators, John Bogdanov, and just how nice, how friendly, yeah. how generous they are with their time. And to talk about the things that we loved as kids and we loved growing up and yep. and they enjoy talking about it and they they're not ashamed of it they they really love and own the characters that they created and are willing to talk to their fans and interact with their fans it's what makes this hobby enjoyable yes. um when when you can meet those good creators we do know the bad creators are out there too but we <laughs> when are. you meet when you meet the good creators it's there's nothing more satisfying for a fan it is so rewarding cuz it's like <laughs> Oh, I'm going to hold this and I met the person and I can still hold it tight as opposed to going, oh, I hate it now. <laughs> this thing that I love, this formative thing now needs to be put over there in a relic in a reliquary because that is where it must stay now. <laughs> yep. we, we, we may quibble about how they're treating certain characters in the new warriors, but I will admit with you that there is some consistency. There's a change in the stories that goes on, but it's not a drastic change it's a subtle change it's it's taking some things and moving some things around and so there is good consistency and the fact that you aren't going through an, a number of different writers a number of different creative teams which we have seen that especially at the end of power pack where they were just cycling through and you had them going in a totally opposite direction there's nobody that was there to steer the ship back to what the original mission statement was mm-hmm. But you do see that you still have the heart of what the New Warriors are, even these these later books, even though there is changes and a lot more team members there. Right. Anything else you want to talk about with any of the creative people on any of these books at all? Back when Volume 2 came out, I bought a large number of the number one issue. And I used to run back before Yahoo took it over and now it's gone. But there used to be a thing called e-groups. I'm really dating myself between GeoCities and e-groups. I used to have an e-group thing where, with a bunch of New Warriors fans, and I thought, I'm just going to run a contest and just basically hand out issue number one for free. So what I did is I reached out to Jay Faber, and um, I said, hey, Jay, I bought like 20 issues of number one. Um, what I want to do is I run this New Warriors group. I just want to basically dish them out as a contest, you know, like every week kind of say, you know, first person to reply to this email, who, what, you know, what was Namorita's real name? Or, you know, who is Namor- Namorita related to? You'll find I talk about Namorita a lot because I was obsessed with her. Sorry. <laughs> but um, Jay said, you know what? Yeah, send them to me. I'll sign them and send them back to you. So he actually took the time. He gave me his uh, post office box. I sent him off. He sent them back. All of them signed. And I was able to do my contest. 
because he was kind enough to take that time. That's really cool. Volume five ended much sooner than it should have. Um, it came to an end because lack of sales or whatever. Chris Rios came by and dropped a lot of information on my plate as to what he planned and some of the secrets that were behind the series that I put into the profiles of some of the characters. Like if you look up Water Snake, what her intention was is noted in her character profile. So it was really cool. Yeah, we we can go on and on and on talk yes. about all Sorry. the what, no, no 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 it's fine. This is what we want to talk about, and this is what this is what people get excited about about yeah. talking about these different characters and these different creators and the stories that could have been and the stories that should have been, and and we see it all the time in in especially a medium such as comic books where you're at the whim of sales and profits and getting the right creative teams together and things fall apart. I have these great ideas for stories and I can't sell them. So mm-hmm. th- there are things that get set up and, and don't run to fruition or they, they set up a story and they're like, I'm going to take a left turn instead. I thought about going this way or yeah. whatever reason I have to do it the other way. So, but we will get into more of that as we talk about these books Let's go ahead and just do a quick roster of who is in this. So we've got Alex Power, Firestar, Hindsight, Justice, Nova, Speedball, and Turbo. And we are introducing Scarlet Spider and Time Slip. Now, for a very, very high-level overview of this arc, we've already said it a couple times, but let me sing it this time. Spider clones, spider clones, do whatever a spider does. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's my my lovely, lovely singing. But I will stop singing because I'm not good at it. Watch out. Here come the spider clones. There you Jeff go. is. <laughs> but instead, let's go ahead and just do a very quick synopsis, in most cases, of the books that we're talking about tonight. So hang on tight. Starting with New Warriors number 61. Newsflash. Spider-Man has stolen science stuff from Genetech Lab. News at 11. Okay, so here we go. This one action kicks us off into the next arc of the New Warriors soap opera at the being rebuilt by the lowest possible bidder construction site that was once the secret and unbusted crash pad. Rich is sad and angry because he has no superpowers and his girlfriend Kamira is still missing. He will be sad and angry for a while, but at least he gets to repeatedly threaten hindsight with physical violence to make himself feel better. Good on you, buddy. Firestar visits with a friend, but after using her powers on a guy that had previously date-raped her friend, gross, Angelica is chastised that her powers might have long-term effects on those around, like making someone sterile, or giving them cancer, or making them go back into a 70s cartoon. Who knows? Speedball is having some power control issues, but he also gets a call from Rena Patel, who says that she knows his secret identity and that she wants to talk to him about his impending death. Speedball takes this as a threat from her for some entirely understandable reasons, so he hangs up on her. And Mikey is slowly realizing that Mickey is the true hero of the Turbo Suit as she keeps getting invited to play with the Warriors. The team meets at Genetech and gets a tracker and info on the thief, who is tracked down to an ambush warehouse. A fight occurs with creatures that turn into clumps of flesh after they are defeated. Yuck. The tracker is broken. The Spidey lookalike knocks out Justice and then escapes the ambush warehouse with genetic nano contagion goober thingamajiggy that he stole from Genetech. In Spider-Man Maximum Clonage Alpha and the Jackal Cries Death Maximum Clonage Part 1. Okay, is everybody ready to get confused? Because this is where it happens. In this issue, we get a lot of backstory about the clone problem that Peter Parker has. There is Peter Parker and Ben Riley. Ben was a clone made by the Jackal to torment and confuse Peter. 
Ben, on realizing he was a clone, chose the Ben identity and ran off for five years. Now it seems like the Jackal has made a new clone who has stolen the genetic nanocontagion goober to make and use the carrion virus on Springville, Pennsylvania, wiping out the entire town, save for a lone survivor who seems to have developed some superpowers. But what about Peter? Well, Peter and Ben ran into Kane, the first clone that the Jackal had made of Peter, but they don't know this yet. Kane convinces them that Ben is the real Peter and that Peter is a clone. Peter runs off to Sulk, and Ben tries to find him. He gets a hint to go to Springville. The new warriors are on the scene, finally, and they attack Ben, no matter how much he talks to them. During this fight, Ben convinces the kids that he's not the bad guy, just in time for them to run across the new bad guy clone who started this, who is calling himself Spiderside. A fight happens. Spider-Side escapes because he has super stretchy shape-shifting abilities, and the good guys apologize to each other for doing the standard getting-to-know-you hero fight. The lone survivor was successfully knocked out and captured by the new warriors, because that is what heroes do to victims, so that he could be studied in a lab by Project Pegasus, but is really going to the Jackal because Spider-Side took the place of the helicopter pilot. Peter Parker, in New York, finds the Jackal, and after they fight for a bit, Jackal convinces Peter to join him to make more clones and be a bad guy because of clone angst, I guess. All right, and then Spectacular Spider-Man number 227, If Death Be My Destiny, Maximum Clonage, part five. So we've jumped forward in the clonage story. Peter Parker has successfully helped the Jackal make an army of spider clones, because that makes sense. Springfield has been wiped out by the virus, and Ben Riley is BFF with Kane. Also, totally makes sense. Meanwhile, MJ really wants her husband back, and why not? And she has a plan. She's going to set off a bunch of spider trackers. This should end well. Especially since Peter Parker, who still thinks he is a clone, is swinging across the city with the original Gwen Stacy clone. All right, there's a lot of clones happening here. After surviving a near-fatal fall from the overwhelming spider signal signals, Peter and Gwen see MJ. The reunion is good. Gwen is happy for them. And her and MJ are back to being BFFs, even though Gwen is a clone, under this roof of happiness, unlike Jackal, who built his lab under a fight. Yep, Kane, Ben, clone, Donnybrook breaks through, interrupts a mess of drama. Spider-Side is turning on Jackal and wants to kill him. So does Kane, who then saves Jackal's life instead, because that makes a lot of sense. And there's daddy issues here that need to be resolved. A really big fight occurs with Kane apparently dying and the last survivor from Springfield running away. Oh, and the new warriors see news footage of the fight and decide maybe they should get involved. Also, when Turbo wonders, why why are there two Spider-Mans now? And Speedball gets a good one in about how they have two Turbos. It's actually pretty funny for Speedball. New Warriors number 62, Captives. Holy arachnid, Speedball! A New Warriors issue! Okay, the Maximum Clonage thing has ended. If you want to know what happened, check out Spider-Man Maximum Clonage Omega. For now, let's focus on the New Warriors failing to restrain Helix. The now mindless malevolence mutation machine villain name of the lone survivor of the Springville Carrion virus attack. While Firestar hesitates, the Scarlet Spider does not. He webs up Helix. The problem is solved, and the day is won. Or not. Because Helix near immediately breaks free. Rats. The fight continues, and Scarlet Spider injects Helix with the hypermorphic serum that knocks him out. Also in this issue, Rich Rider is dealing with being a boring normal human. 
Yeah. How boring does he find it? So boring that he had to get a job to pay back the money loan from his gorgeous ex-girlfriend, who was thinking that maybe she should be his gorgeous ex-ex-girlfriend. General Obsidian and Protocol, you know, the jerks from the last arc we covered, are training with their brainwashed rep in Chimera. And we have more interactions with Rena Patel, who is still seeing things happening in the future. Carlton then walks directly into traffic, where he is about to be killed by a truck. Oh. I only wish. Uh, so Rita uses some kind of new-to-her warping abilities to save him. He tells her to slip her number under his door by way of thanks and being creepy, and then takes off to the crash pad. Guess who follows to the crash pad? Oh, hey! Good job, you got it in one. It was Rita. Oh, yeah, and uh, Scarlet Spider secretly feels sad, alone, and unloved because he is asked to join the new warriors. I guess this is where it becomes uh, Scarlet Spider and his amazing friends? Spectacular Spider-Man number 228, Run For Your Life, Time Bomb, Part 1. Hooray! We have another multi-part cross-series arch. So, back into the clone problems. Kane is attacking Mary Jane. He is attacked by Spider-Man. Everything is looking safe since Mr. Friendly Neighborhood is on the scene, until Kane takes off his mask and we see Peter's face. Wait! Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? No, Peter is just caught in a nightmare. After he wakes up, he starts to think that he has had some post-hypnotic suggestions as he starts to go crazy for Cuckoo Puffs. Then later, he does go crazy for Cuckoo Puffs, as the Jackal, who by now is dead, shows up in Peter's mind telling him that he did in fact leave him a post-hypnotic suggestion that was triggered by his final words, which I may be misremembering, but I think we're... Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. This fatal follow-up is that Peter now has to... Kill his wife. Peter decides to inform MJ of this in the creepiest way possible, as he fights for control. And following his instructions, she breaks a lamp over his head and runs away. <laughs> nice. MJ calls Ben Riley instead of the Fantastic Four or the Avengers, for reasons that only makes sense to her, but instead gets the new warriors who mostly think that she's just a prank call or something on their super secret, secure emergencies only phone line. These guys are the best heroes ever. They finally decide to see if she's on the up and up and if she can make it to them. So she takes the train to the station where the new warriors are on the scene to tell Spider-Man to knock off all that evil. Huh. I wonder if that'll work. Oh, reading ahead. It doesn't. That's right, because we head into Web of Spider-Man 129. By my hand, Mary Jane must die with Time Bomb Part 2. Let's do this one last time. Scarlet Spider rolls into the crash pad on Banker's Hours, catching Hindsight having some alone time. Anyway, Hindsight tells Ben that the Warriors are out helping some lady. And speaking of which, MJ is running away while a brainwashed but superior Spider-Man is wrapping them all up spectacularly while using his amazing webs. See what they did there? I see what they did there. I should say that this is Spider-Man's body doing the attacking. Peter's telling them to stop him, which is really weird because Peter's saying stop, but apparently Peter can't control his body. So they do their darnest to stop him, which results in thorough trouncing of the new warriors by Spider-Man. No surprise. Peter then gets cold talked by a late to the party ben parker look out spider-man where was your spider sense there now with the combined might of the new warriors and the scarlet spider they slow peter down enough 
for MJ to run to a recently deceased Aunt May's house. When Peter shows up there, his mind control is broken by the power of love and the fact that MJ believes in him. And as we all know, when a supermodel actress girl next door believes in you, you can do anything. New Warriors number 63, Unnatural Selection. Ah, no multi-issue clone thingy for a moment. Just some needless family-friendly violence. Helix is out of his non-consensual cage in the New Warriors basement, and he is out of control and getting bigger. Scarlet Spider takes control of the Sitch and orders the team to back off. Helix quickly resorts to human-sized form when there are no outside influences influencing him. Justice and Scarlet have some words about who is in charge, and if you have to ask who is in charge here, then... It's not you. Justice is also asking why Scarlet hasn't shared his identity with him. I mean, he has known them for like all of a week. Isn't it time he gave them the 411 about his 30 to go to 10 in case there's a 911? Well, he says, N-O. It's a secret. End of script. 10001. Speaking of secrets, Firestar heads to a doctor to find out if there are any long-term effects of her power is causing on her body. More surprises. Hindsight lets Rita Patel into the base. She is here with a dire message of the future, but surprise, we jump to see Angelica at the doctor's office. All is well until a bad lady named Genocide blows everything up and attacks Firestar. Y'all keeping up? Good. At the crash pad, Rena is still being ignored while she is trying to explain how she keeps seeing the future, but is interrupted by the surprise alarm from Firestar. Rena really should have seen that coming. You know, because that's her power. She should also have seen how all the new warriors, save for Carlton, immediately beg out to answer that call. Genocide is fighting Firestar with her 12-member team, Eugenics. Things are turning bad for Firestar, but then Cyanex shows up. Yes, Cyanex shows up. I'll say that again. Cyanex shows up, led by Night Thrasher and Rage. Oh yeah, I guess they still get to be in this comic, even though they were, you know, kicked out. And that leads us to New Warriors number 64, Bang and Blame. Oh, these guys again. Psionics. And what? With Night Thrasher? Why are they at this now-destroyed medtech center? Well, Night Thrasher kind of owns the joint. Too bad that when the new warriors show up at the bullet-shot-up medical clinic and they see the known band of edgy, mature heroes, Psionics, fighting with an unknown band of gun-toting people in costumes, you know exactly what they're going to do. Which is attack Psionics because old habits die hard. Genocide confronts Firestar and Thrasher and makes her sales pitch of killing people with bad genes, because she has the power to see DNA. <laughs> okay. She also drops some fun little truth bombs, like Firestar's power is slowly destroying her, starting by making her <gasps> infertile. Wow. This is a really happy issue. With all this fun news shared and all of the heroes rubbed raw, Genocide pieces out and lets the hero argument start, because these heroes are so good at interpersonal communication. Later, at the crash pad, we find out that Alex has an important announcement. His new name will be Powerhouse, because Speedball suggested the name while they were sitting around eating Chinese takeout. Also on the agenda, a new surprise member to the team, Rena Patel, aka Time Slip. She once again explains her powers, and she talks about all these weird visions she has, including the one with our favorite smart ship Friday. The issue ends with her vision from New Warriors 59 coming true. And uh, that vision was about Speedball and Scarlet Spider arguing over who gets the last egg roll. I'm sure that Watu the Watcher was paying rapt attention to this moment in history. New Warriors number 65. Slave Machine. Ah. Uh. 
these guys. The soldiers of misfortune attack a military base, and we find out that Chimera knows what she is doing, but can't stop doing evil things. It's like being a passenger on a really bad Uber. Tell me about it. In the bad rideshare, she breaks a man's neck. Not really a superhero thing to do, but I've been there, sister. Anyway, back at the crash pad, Colton is letting Rich and Rena know that their system taps into other systems, but they don't know what their system is being tapped into. You follow me? Meanwhile, Angelica, better known as Firestar, and Vance, better known as Justice, are trying to find a private chat about their future, but are interrupted by the warrior's alert. Meanwhile, Alex has a brief thought that stealing his siblings' powers was probably the wrong thing to do, and maybe he should have asked for permission, takes off to answer the call for adventure anyway. Also, Jack and Julie have been exacting petty revenge on him by hiding his schoolwork, wrecking his dating life. And this is just what's caused his introspection. Like, maybe I shouldn't just take their powers. Maybe I should ask for permission. Well, let's think about it next time, Alex, because there's stuff to do. Meanwhile, Robbie is having a bad nightmare, but wakes up to the Call of Duty. Not the game, but just the Call of Duty of actually having to do something. Now they're all together at the crash pad where they should be. They want to go check out the potential undertow, soldiers of misfortune, protocol, whatever they want to be called, evil paramilitary organization, whatever. But there is no transport to get the team there. Bummer. Time Slip reminds Alex that, hey, he knows the spaceship that they all love named Friday. This is a mistake that they will come to regret. Starting with Rich Ryder declaring he is the better pilot than Smartship herself. Alex and everyone else is surprised that goes along with this ill-conceived plan. Meanwhile, the soldiers of misfortune are destroying drug smuggling operations, which doesn't sound all that evil, when the new warriors show up to fight them. During the fight, Rich sees Chimera and chases after her using Friday underground via a too tight for Friday elevator shaft culminating in a narrow side tunnel that Rich slams Friday into good and tight. Hmm. Glad you came along, Mr. Not Nova. Camara was placing a bomb down here and is unable to get teleported out. So she sees Rich's parallel parking attempt and this reignites her love engines long enough for her to resist her mind control set that she can save the wedged and damaged Friday and her occupants instead of letting them explode. Then she teleports away because plot convenient reasons are gone. This makes Rich sad, boo-hoo, so sad that he'll probably have to go back to his ex-girlfriend who might be his ex-ex-girlfriend after this and not talk to her about what just happened. Next, New Warrior 66, a pure speedball issue, which we will skip. Next, Green Goblin number two, rampaging with the rhino. Ben Yurik's nephew, Phil Yurik, found a Green Goblin supply house, fell into some chemicals, and gains goblin powers when he puts on the Green Goblin costume, and now he really wants to get into the hero racket because money, fame, and most importantly, it might impress a shapely co-worker that he has his eyes on. I mean, all of these are good reasons to get into the hero game, right? So one night he decides to try and join a team. He auditions for the New Warriors by accidentally, sort of mistakenly, doing a big oopsie. The big oopsie is that he crashes his goblin glider through the crash pad's roof and then attacks everyone inside. Like I said, 
Oopsie. After he is captured and explanations are made, Mr. Good Decision Man himself, Vance Astro, decides to offer him a spot on their team. A team that takes on crimes other heroes won't touch. A team that tries to help people. A team that tries to make a difference. Phil's nerd sense starts to tingle, so he tells them that he will think about joining this really, really cool crew. Spoilers, he doesn't join them. And moving on... To Web of Scarlet Spider number three, Root Awakening, Nightmare and Scarlet, part one. All right, people, let's do this one last time again. The FBI is checking out a destroyed lab of one octopus slash doctor of evil. Agent Briggs is looking for her partner, Joe Wade, when she finds the Scarlet Spider, who is apparently bad now. Bad and mad. Bad and badly mad. Like this guy is way off his Cocoa Puffs rocker. As he takes off, he makes a snide personal remark about Briggs' past weight gain problem. How could the Scarlet Spider know this personal bit of information about her? Well, we soon find out that the reason for that is because it's not really Ben Riley, but shockingly, is also not a clone of him this time. It is Wade! A new Warriors team of justice, Firestar Turbo, and our boy Powerhouse join the hunt for the Red Arachnid. Wade calls Briggs and explains what happened. Something about Doc Ock, a hologram of the Scarlet Spider, a Cuisinart plugged into a TARDIS, and him being forced into the whole mix. Anyway, Wade now turns into a jerky Scarlet Spider for fun and no profit. Firestar eventually finds him and, after searing off his costume, determines that this is not the clone she was looking for. Then she is knocked unconscious, and we have ourselves a Sylvester Stallone, John Lithgow flick on our hands. Uh, Yes, by that I mean a cliffhanger. All right, and I'll pick it up from there with New Warriors number 67, The Evil Among Us, Nightmare and Scarlet Part 2. And then Justice arrives to save the day, as Justice should. He can't believe that they let this villainous Scarlet Spider be a part of the New Warriors. He's always had a bad feeling about this guy. The fake spider continues to evolve, now fully metallic, bigger, longer, stronger, with spikes growing out of his back and glowing eyes that shoot force bolts out of them. Ooh. He decides that the blowing up of the bridge that they are fighting on and legging it sounds like the more fun than hanging around these dorks. But as the warriors try to find him, He changes back to Wade mode and goes home for a nap. Back with the FBI, the head agent, Nelson Stone, sends his people out to find Wade because he thinks that he's alive and he needs to be brought in for some serious questioning and studying. Spider-Man shows up to help the new warriors, and he lets it slip that he knows where the crash pad is. Spidey knows this because he, Peter Parker, used to be Scarlet Spider when he thought he was a clone and called himself Ben Riley. But now that he knows he is not a clone, and actually Peter Parker, uh, he should not know what he knows about the crash pad or anything really about the New Warriors. Wade loses control, turns back into the Scarlet Spider, not Scarlet Spider thing, and decides, you know what? I think I want to be a star on TV just because he saw a thing that says thousands of people are watching. So apparently he's going to go be a star. Meanwhile, the smart ship Friday is conducting an analysis on the nanotech that Firestar blasted off the non-Scarlet spider thing with the steel and spikes. And it has determined that it makes someone look like and want to destroy the reputation of the Scarlet spider. Vance doesn't have time to listen to that part of Friday's speech. He just wants to know if Friday can track the tech. 
Friday says, well, of course, just go here. Boop. And kind of does like an Uber thing to show where it's at. Because during this scene, Wade has taken over the TV morning show where Robbie's mom is at and is threatening to kill someone. Uh-oh. And that brings us finally to Web of Scarlet Spider number four. Red Rain, Nightmare in Scarlet Part 3. I can't do it. And wrapping this all up, everybody is heading to the TV station, but Speedball gets there first and blasts this spider imposter with his balls. A bunch of kinetic balls. Look, it's what his powers are, okay? The FBI agents are briefed by Stone to take the Scarlet Spider alive, but do not inform his old partner Briggs that she is too close to the situation. Speedball is still battling Wade, and now so is everyone else. Wade starts to get away, but Spidey catches up and tries to talk him down. It does not work, and the fighting continues. It takes Briggs to show up and show Wade how many people have been hurt by him, including herself. Hearing that she believes in him, Wade changes back to human, and he is taken back into custody by Stone. Justice and Firestar have a moment with Spidey. Justice apologizes to Spidey for being initially hostile to him. See, his girlfriend is way out of his league. My words. It admits he gets jealous when there are hunky spandex-clad, competent spider-themed superheroes around. That she might pay the slightest amount of attention to. Also, my words. Wow. Spidey downplays it. While holding Firestar's hand and winking to her, before he webs away out of a short-lived Web of Scarlet Spider series. Justice remarks that they may not know who or what their Scarlet Spider was, but he was not Spider-Man because... Ah, Spider-Man. What a hero. Firestar doesn't readily agree with him because she figured out which webhead was under that webhead's webhead, and she says that only time will tell. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. Hey! Okay, I said that these were short synopsises. I lied. And I blame Jeff. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) I read a comic and I'm like, well, I gotta synopsis this, and it's like, Synopsis means short, man. Synopsis means short. Short. It's it's shorter than what the comics were. Not by much. Okay, let's talk about the themes of this arc here. We got a lot to get through here. There's a lot going on. We'll start with the the, the elephant in the room and the elephant and the elephant and the elephant and the elephant. Clones, man. What about the clones, man? Why? Why did Marvel do this? Why did Marvel say, we are going to take our best property and we're going to make them as confusing as we possibly can be? My theory is he was a very profitable character, and the more issues of any other comic you could slap him in would sell. Also, probably because somebody said, I have a good story idea, and they said, more Spider-Man money. Thomas? It's got to be the latter, is all I can say. (laughs) It had to be the slap Spider-Man into everything, because... I mean, I remember back then they were doing the thing where they were categorizing all the books. So, like, Mm -hmm. everything fell into Avengers, everything fell into Spider-Man. I just don't understand why they decided to create this overly complex story that utterly ruined what I felt like Spider-Man. Like I was into Spider-Man back then, then Maximum Clonage came out. I was reading some of it and I finally just said, yeah, forget it. And I literally dropped all my Spider-Man books because I was like, I'm tired of this. Like, you mean to tell me all these years I haven't been reading Spider-Man? I've been reading Ben Riley. It was just disappointing. So I don't understand why they did it. Personally, I'm not a fan of clones in general uh, in any form of story. There's some okay storytelling that can be done by with the clone stuff. But for the most part, it's like, just stay away from it. I think the clonage thing, too, was when I dropped my Spider-Man books. I got very tired of like going, okay, I'm picking up issue X of Amazing Spider-Man. Uh-huh. Yep. I don't know how we got here and we're ending on a thing. So I'll pick up issue X you know, plus one 
of the next Amazing Spider-Man. Well, these have nothing to do with each other. You know, I want a sequential story. And I, I, I grew to really hate the aspect of like, hey, do you want to know this story? Well, you better read The Thing issue number 63 and also whatever powerhouse uh, limited edition number one. And to get to that story, you know, New Mutants that, you know, I hate it. Or I'm like, I just want the Amazing Spider-Man story, not I need to pick up 92 other titles just to get to the next issue. So that is my big problem with crossovers as well. Like yep. I prefer like the original Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. Of issue standalone, perfect. Yeah, you did it. You brought everyone back. Everyone just moves on on their own issue. You read the next issue, and it's just them coming back from Secret Wars. So you had to read twelve issues of Secret Wars, but it was just in one book. Mm-hmm. I wasn't picking up issue thirty-three of Thing, and then number Fantastic Four two twenty-three, Spider-Man one twenty-six, X-Men one thirty-five. You know, I wasn't picking up random issues of titles mm-hmm. that I normally don't collect just to find out what was going on. Cause it's really confusing yep. when you read one issue and you read, you know, and it ends like Spider-Man is alive. And then you pick up the next issue of that series and they're at Spider-Man's funeral. And you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, what? Mm, what? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think the one that did it, it was one of the earliest ones. And I think it did it right. Was the mutant massacre. First yes. of all, they had a nice map that they gave with the comic books and said, here's how you find it. And so they, and they had a couple of small side issues that were just appearances. You could read those issues or not. It really didn't affect the story, but you could see how the story flowed. And it was simple, it was concise, and it was contained. Yep. And then, then it got a little bit bigger. You know, they did the summer crossovers like Inferno and Fall of the Mutants. And I mean, Inferno got really crazy, but you know, <laughs> Fall of the Mutants was still contained. Inferno was still okay. And then, and then we weren't even going to talk about, you know, Onslaught, you know, the, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll just get, we'll give up on that. But the bigger you make it, the more unwilling it becomes, and you're going to lose people. Yep. And I, I think this was a big character assassination that they did for Spider-Man, and, and they lost a lot of good readers. And they lost – I think they lost a lot of money out of it. I've never really heard anybody come out and say, man – I love me that clone saga. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I don't normally read comics because you've read them, but that clone saga. Mm, (laughs) That's some good stuff right there. If stuff was, if more stuff was like that, I'd be, I'd be down to clown on that. Yeah. Ironically, we start, we started this podcast with new warriors. Number 61 being the first one we talked about. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the title to that one, it is entitled "Everyone Hates a Clone." Yeah, yeah. Which, <laughs> thank you. We summar- we summarized pretty much right off the first issue, and we're done. And we're going to go in a different storyline. No, no, we're we're not. We're not. We just did thirteen. This clone stuff took over the entire chunk of this. Yep. This and and we didn't even cover all of the clone stuff because there are pieces that don't feature any of the New Warriors things. Yep. So it just ridiculous, ridiculous. Let's turn a little bit away from. Scarlet Spider, for, well, let's turn away from him for a second. Firestar's powers. She's had these powers all the way since, you know, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Mm-hmm. 60 plus issues of New Warriors. And then somebody finally said, hey, you were giving off microwaves. I wonder if that's hurting your friends. I wonder if that's hurting you. Has this never come up before? Well, first of all, what do you think about her affecting other people with her powers is it a good story beat or not? It's an interesting choice to go, especially when it was like it was her, you know, fast food working mall friend who's like, "Hey, do you think your powers might hurt you and other people?" And it's like, "Well, that's got to shock my world." My concept is Firestar is a mutant. A mutation power doesn't bug you because it's all the hand wavy science stuff where it's just like, yeah, you shoot microwave beams, but it's a contained blast and you do the damage to the bad guy and it's not really affecting anybody around you and people around, you know, microwave transmissions all the time. I don't think it should be as devastating a story beat as it seems like it had been to Firestar where it's just like, she's like, I'm not using my powers at all, except for when I totally use them all the time. Mm hmm. 
Thomas? For me, it, and it's only because of I trust the writer. Like if this uh-huh. had been some other writer, I probably would not have been happy with it. But I thought they put this here for a reason. I actually like it because it's an interesting concept because her powers are microwaves. And as you said, mm-hmm. you know, she's been blasting people like left and right. But the way I interpreted that is, yeah, you know, she's like blasting Rhino, for example. You know, he's super durable, whatever. She he she knows he can take this and it's just gonna slow him down. But then she's also considering the effect of those who who are around Rhino, like Justice is next to him and Speedball, they're getting hit with microwave energy as well. What is that doing to them? You know, even if she, you know, it's revealed by genocide that she is being fertile. But even if she was immune to her own power, what is she doing to other people who are not immune to her power? I thought that Mm -hmm. was a cool twist for her to say, I need to really consider what I'm doing. Like, I should only use my power when I really need to. Like, fly around, sure, cool. Still using microwaves. It's just mostly me flying around unless I'm carrying someone. (laughs) But blasting people that are also around the area is something to consider. I thought it was a a good story. And uh, Kurt Music picked it up later in Avengers mm-hmm. volume three or four. I don't know what volume yeah, I, it was at that point. Kurt can do anything and I will trust what he's going to get <laughs> yeah, to. So he picked it up and he, he did continue to develop that story. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I don't like the idea that her powers might hurt her because like we said, a lot of mutants, their, their body is designed to hold on. I mean, there, there are a few mutants that their power kind of kills them or, or, or destroys part of their body. I'm thinking of chamber. Chamber. But yeah, but I mean, you do have most of the time you have powers that your body is designed to handle. But yeah, the entire idea that she is microwaving other people, I kind of liked it too. I think it was fine. I think it was good. As I wanted to see where else it was going to go, and I am glad that it was picked up by people who we do trust and capable they can writers. Do some, yeah, capable writers. But we have new warriors, new new warriors that have joined the team. We got Scarlet Spider. We got Time Slip. First of all. We got so many people going on on this team now. Yeah, it's, it's a ridiculous. juggling thing. You've got more people coming on. You got Skylight Spider coming on, and Time Slip at the same time. You're still dealing with two or three new people that you just brought on, especially Alex Power. You're yeah. barely using them, and you're throwing more people into the pile. After you had an issue where you're like, "We got too many people. We're going to siphon off people," and then you keep adding more in. Yeah. So they just replaced them. I really am asking you, Thomas. I mean, how did you see this when you're reading at the time and then rereading it now with having more people added to the mix? Did this keep it fresh or was it a little annoying that your your favorite people are getting pushed aside? The Scarlet Spider part felt very force fed because I said at that time there were you know, dividing books into you have to fall into the spectrum of your mm-hmm. Avengers books, your Spider-Man books, your X-Men books. So Scarlet Spider felt very forced. And because I did not enjoy the Maximum Clonage saga, Scarlet Spider being put onto the team, I was not super thrilled about because I just didn't care for the character or his origin or the complexity Mm -hmm. of what he brought. I just didn't know what he was going to bring to the table other than a bigger mess. Like now we've got this character who has a horrible tangled web no pun intended or maybe intended (laughs) i don't know but you know he has this whole tangled web that he brings with him that now the writer is gonna he's being forced to i'm sure evan was forced to say you have to put a spider character on your team and evan i believe probably had a hand in making scarlet spider so he probably Mm -hmm. thought well i'll just bring my own creation onto the team so it felt very forced i didn't really care for him because the whole mess that he was however time slip was actually a character i really liked 
Mm-hmm. I liked how her powers were different than everyone that normally has like, you know, like visions or the way she was able to, you know, basically slip through time to do things. Ironically, she should have probably let Carlton die by getting hit by that car <laughs> so that later on he would not reveal who the new warriors are after the whole civil war thing. But whatever. But I did like I did like Rita as time slip. I absolutely loved her costume. I thought she had mm-hmm. a great dynamic look and I love that they honored her heritage with the cloth piece over the front of her. So, you know, mm-hmm. they they didn't just make her this super sexy beautiful woman. They also, you know, added this part of her actual culture. So, I really liked her and I had hoped that, you know, had New Warriors continued past 75 of the original one that we would have saw much more of her. So we've only seen her a few times pop up since she appeared a few times uh, post Civil War, but that was it. She's a neat character. I like personality, just everything about it's kind of neat. It's I've got the little headcanon things where it's just like because she'd travel back into her own timeline kind of thing, and it's just like, huh? Say she has had these massive nightmares as a small child, where she was like, I was in a weird place, and I wasn't in my body, and then she has to go to therapy, and then she hits a stage in her life where she's transferring back into her thing and then she's just like oh i was my own childhood trauma (laughs) so (laughs) i would agree that i find her to be a lot more interesting character i think that there could have been a place for somebody like scarlet spider on the team if he was there as kind of i don't want to say a knockoff spider-man but something a little more different than just a peter parker i mean you think about how Miles Morales is Spider-Man, but he's not Spider-Man. He has a different character and there is different interactions he has with people than Spider-Man does. But you have Ben Riley, Scarlet Spider, and it's like, what else, what are we getting? What else are we getting here? There's not much. Yeah, that's the funny thing is because he should be literally just as competent and able as Spider-Man, but he's a more sad sack Spider-Man, which is hard because, yeah, I love Spidey. Don't get me wrong. He's top of the charts right there for me. But when it's just like, he's he's sad a lot, but now you got an even sadder version. So it's... <laughs> but he's not as, as interesting as Spider-Man. And so we're yeah. stuck with, we're, we're stuck with something we just don't get. Mm-hmm. And that that's the big problem that we've got with, with Scarlet Spider there. A couple more points I want to hit, because we, we spent a lot of time on our synopsis, so I want to hit the, these other points really quick. We skipped over the speedball issue, because it's only a speedball issue, but it kind of is, if you read the original speedball series and some of the Marvel Comics Presents, this is kind of the, the, the capstone of those series. So if you're a speedball fan, read it. Otherwise, we're going to skip over because no Alex at all. And as we start getting into the Power Pack moments, let's go ahead and talk about Alex's eternal regret of letting Rich Rider come anywhere near Friday. <laughs> uh, that was the problem, is that nobody showed any regret about it at all. It was just like everybody was like, you know, they kind of looked askance at each other when Rich is like, all right, I'm getting on the ship, too. It's about time this thing has reconfigured itself so that I can pilot it. It's like, what are you doing here, bike boy, messenger boy? Yeah. You can ride a bike. Doesn't mean you can fly Friday. <laughs> yeah. And especially when it's like, I think I know what I'm doing. I play video games. It's like, you are taking the agency not only away from Alex, who provided the ship, but also especially Friday, this the hyper-intelligent smart ship that flies itself across galaxies and stuff. Oh, you suck. Yeah. So, oh, rah, just frustrated me. Also, there's the aspect, too, is that in a previous story arc, during the whole Sphinx Sphinx Sphinx-tacular. Alex insta-travel gas teleported everybody from New York to Egypt. 
instantaneously. So they don't really need Friday, but I'm so glad that Friday's here. I have nothing to add to that. I <laughs> agree 100% with what you just said. Let's talk a little bit more about Power Pack things. We have a new name for Alex. Powerhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the guns. Look at the guns. Um, yeah, Powerhouse. I'm going to be honest, not a fan of the name. Anybody else? <laughs> I, I mean, when I read it back in the day, it didn't bother me. But in hindsight, not related to hindsight, lad, not a super big fan of it. I get it because, you know, he's housing all the power from yeah. his siblings. I get, yeah. I get the idea of that. But it's not like, Rhino is tearing up the town and you jump down. I'm powerhouse. And he's going to be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Move over, move over kid. <laughs> okay. 12 year old <laughs> or 32 year old, depending on how you're drawn. <laughs> the name is fine. In my worldview, a powerhouse would be a bruiser. It would be a, a big punchy guy. Yeah. Or girl, you know, it would be a, it would be a punch person. It's somebody has got, that's got muscles on muscles and a couple exactly. muscles more. And maybe has some, you know, like Jacob Ladder bits hanging out of the back and like punches with electricity. <laughs> I don't know. The name is fine, but also I don't know why he felt he had to keep on changing his name, you know, from G to Power Packs, where I'm like, okay, I get Power Packs, you're tying into your family name. And then, oh man, I'm feeling real bad because I'm stealing my powers of all my family members who are Power Packs. Now, Power Packs makes me think of Power Pack. Oh, what am I going to do? How about Powerhouse? Yeah, that's entirely different. Not really. Not really. <laughs> you still, changing your name is not going to make you get over the aspect that you've just violated your siblings repetitively. <laughs> I, I, think so. I'm, I think I'm just going to say that it's once again yet another bad name that Alex has. He just continuously yeah. has bad names, starting yeah. with G and yeah. Yeah. Never never a fan of his his names. So in a way though, that kind of fits because you know he is younger. He's an adolescent. Mm -hmm. yeah. So having unusual names like that kind of fits. There was a character in volume two of New Warriors, a dude named Aegeus, who his costume was basically camo pants and a shirt with the Aegis shield over him. And I thought that's that's perfect. Because this is a dude that doesn't have access to unstable molecules to make a badass mm -hmm. costume. He's just in camo pants and a shirt with a shield strapped on his chest. Bam, <laughs> I like it. You know, it's not a great costume by any stretch of the imagination, but it was fitting. You know, it fit mm -hmm. that character. And I think Alex's bad choice of <laughs> hero names kind of fits also because of that adolescence. And I feel like that's also the changing a lot. Like you're younger, like, yo, I got a cooler name now. I'm going to be, I'm going to yeah. be, I'm going to be zero G, not just G. You know, it's just stuff like that. I like uh, that. That's good. That's good. That, that, I, you, you make a good point with the, we don't like the name because it's kid's name, but at the same time, it makes sense because it's a kid's name. It's a kid making the name. So yeah, well, Robbie came up with it though, Speedball. So like you know, Mister Good Decision kid, himself. It's, it's, it's a, a, a child. Name. It's a child making a name. Yeah, if you read New Warriors, <laughs> you know that Speedball's mentality somewhere around the ten to twelve year old. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of children or kids, Jack and Julie's revenge on Alex hiding the school books and running ruining his love life. How does Alex have time for school and dating and watching The Simpsons and sitting around the New Warriors HQ? Really, really good time management through Friday. But he mm, forgot about Friday. <laughs> I, yeah, he forgot I don't know. about Friday. You know, when you're dating, watching The Simpsons and doing all that, yeah, you're going to forget about Friday. No, it just happens. It just beeps on your watch and you're like, oh yeah, I have to go to the New Warriors HQ. He doesn't know why. It's just beeping on his watch. 
I do like the fact that the little bits that they throw Alex and the New Warriors, they'll have you know little cutaways where it's like, okay, we got to go to Egypt and we're going to be there. And it's like, okay, oh, and we have to be here overnight. And he's like, it's going to be hard to explain to the parents and the family why I'm having a sleepover at my friend, whatever I said his name was, his place. Alex, you don't have any friends anymore. Or you've got all the friends in the world because you're always over at all their houses. Yeah. How's your friend Tommy? Who? Who? Oh, yeah, Tommy. Oh, you mean Blaine or oh, God, what What BS name did I give you? No, actually, it's just going to be, I'm going to stay over Robbie's house tonight. I'm going to be yeah. studying with Angelica. I'm going to be hanging with my new friend Vance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's play a little smart here, Alex, okay? Yeah. We do have Friday. Friday has shown up. We're excited that Friday's here. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting addition to the New Warriors team. They now have troop transport. Yeah, it's something they needed. They've needed group transport. I'm kind of curious why Evan didn't write Friday in earlier. Because, I mean, they had this transportation issue a lot. And it would have been interesting. I mean, Evan's already writing in everybody and their dog to join the New Warriors. <laughs> so I'm actually surprised that he didn't bring Friday in sooner as just another character to for. <laughs> it's just another plot device, too. I, yesterday, I put out the first one of our New Warriors compilations, and one of our fans on Twitter made the comment that, oh, yes, the character assassination of Alex, because yeah. Alex is still, especially in here, he is a blank slate that does not really exist. There's not much to him. He just is there. He shows up. He fights in a battle and he says a few words here and there, but there's very little characterization with him. Yeah, they did him dirty. But uh, that being said too, it's understandable due to the fact that there's so many characters in these mm -hmm. books and they're trying to do, Oh, it's the Angelica story now about the, what's my radiation doing to people and myself. And Oh, well we got to give rage a little bit of time. Well, speedball also needs, <sighs> did you know that Vance uh, really likes Sabra? Oh wait, but also, you know, it's just, there's so many people that they're trying to give time to that people are going to get lost out. I think Vance is somebody else who suffers from this. He's the leader and that kind of is his characteristic. He's, he's a bad leader and that's his character yeah. at the moment. The bad leader boyfriend of Angelica. We get more characterization from Rich Ryder. A lot of it's angry and mad, but you know, we still mm -hmm. get some characterization. We see a lot more of Angelica. Time slip. She gets a lot of time. We're starting to really learn more about her. So everybody seems to be getting something, not so much Alex, which is sad. The, the character spots that they do for Alex are very much just like, I feel bad about stealing my family's superpowers, but they're being kind of jerks to me about it. Well, I gotta go. And that's and then that's him. I made notes when I was reading and I tried to focus a lot where Alex was mentioned or Alex did something cool. And like, for example, in New Warrior 61, um, I do like that Alex references damage control. But a, yeah. big, mm -hmm. a big thing that I thought was really cool is when Rich and Carlton are down and they come to this door that they don't know how to pass. Carlton's like, oh, yeah, you know what? I should probably get a diamond drill. And he goes, why are you so stupid? Like, we would just get Alex to come down here and disintegrate the door. So mm -hmm. I like that Rich is acknowledging that Alex contains a significant amount of power. So even if Alex wasn't saying something, he's still getting acknowledged here and there for what he can do. It's like a Mission Impossible team. And they're like, man, we're about to go on this really tough mission. If only we had somebody who can do everything. Yeah. Wow. We forgot about Alex, Alex. again. Yep. <laughs> Come off the shelf, Alex. Here we go. <laughs> I'm going to get my multi-tool superhero off the shelf. Use him for that thing and then go back on the shelf. Yeah. yeah. Don't need him. We need to spotlight Turbo for a while. <laughs> That's fine with me. I like Turbo. I like Turbo. She's a great <laughs> character. She's neat. She is the best. 
Let's move to Warrior Wonderings. It is time for us to really talk about the things we enjoyed or, well, when we get to the seat of the table, maybe not enjoyed as much. But let's talk a little bit about some of the things that stood out in this 13-issue stretch that we looked at. Let's start off with cover time. What cover stands out in this run for each of us? Thomas, which cover did you like the best? That's going to be super easy. I've mentioned my unhealthy, perhaps, infatuation <laughs> with Nemorita. Uh-huh. So without a doubt, <laughs> with, without a doubt, New Warriors number 65, where it just features Nemorita. Like, granted, it's very edgy and very 90s because of all the spikes around her, but I actually really like that costume also. So not only do I really like it because it just features Nemorita. Yeah, it's a, it's a really awesome costume. I do like it. It is very edgy with the spikes and all that stuff. Very reminiscent of 90s. I mean, front and center Nemorita mm-hmm. all day, every day. The, the cover was by the same penciler for the issue itself, Patrick Zerker. So he does a really good job. I it, Yeah, it is very 90s very extreme but it's also good i do like it i do like it too absolutely impractical spikes on her armor that serve no purpose except (laughs) except except ripping off the paint in your walls as she's walking down the hallway that's the entirety (laughs) of protocol or whatever evil paramilitary band they are it's just like just cover the person with spikes you know even the big bad is just a big hulking aquatic ogre who just gains more and more porcupine quills on his body all the time it's just they're just ridiculous yeah Yeah. jeff what is your favorite cover my favorite cover is actually spider-man maximum clonage alpha really yeah uh it's kind of basic but also i really kind of like it because it's just it's multiple 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 issues of you know copies copies of spider-man and some of them look good and some are kind of fading out and stuff and i just really i like that aspect you got clonage you got so many you're gonna have start having some uh copying errors and kind of things where it's just things are gonna not print as well and not fit you know kind of be a little faded so i i like the concept of that and one of them too well, a couple of them. You've got Kane in there, and you've also got uh, Ben Riley, or Scarlet Spider. So you've got them mixed in there with all the Spider-Men as well. Yeah. So it's, it's all the different kind of Spider-Man incarnations. Yeah. I can go with that one. I can go with that one. I went back to the new Warriors for mine, and I I went ahead and did the the, the team photo on number sixty-two. I That's thought a good it was one too. I, yeah. I, I, you've got everybody coming out like off to the right. Out of um, from the cover, and you've got Scarlet Spider and Firestar and Turbo and Justice and Speedball and no Alex. Um, but it's really besides the fact no Alex is there. Um, <laughs> it's really cool because they're all kind of rushing out. They're very aggressive, very awesome. It's a good looking cover. It's a really nice looking cover. Yeah, you can always pencil Alex in. <laughs> yeah, you know, just draw him in there. Yeah, I can. I can go ahead and take my copy. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I can. I can put him in here. He's... Yeah. Just draw like happy. Happy clouds. Yeah, happy, happy clouds. Happy <laughs> clouds. Happy, happy clouds. clouds. <laughs> get some colored ma- art markers and put a little rainbow in back. Here's the, here's the problem with me doing that, though, is that I <laughs> I am not a good artist. I am not a good artist at all. There are good artists, and there's a lot of good art that's in these books. And we want to talk about that with the awesome art. What piece of art in this arc kicked you in the teeth? Go this time with Jeff. Jeff, you love jokey joke art. So what is your favorite little piece of joke art that you found in here my favorite piece of joke art is in web of spider-man number 129 and on page nine i call it the sign says exit 
And this is when brain-controlled Spider-Man is going to go try and kill MJ, but he's, you know, fighting the New Warriors. <laughs> fighting the New Warriors uh, in the subway system. And he's just like, I need to go track down my wife and kill her. And he just barrels out of, you know, just knocks everybody out of the way. And it's got kind of like the cartoonish proportions because his hands are huge and flailing back. And he's just like, there's an exit sign right there. And I want to get to that exit. And it just cracked me up. Pretty little ridiculous thing there where he's got the exit thume going on. Uh, you you see uh, some of Speedball, got uh, Justice. Yeah, everyone's just going to get knocked out of the way as he's he's exiting thume. <laughs> not bad. Not Alex bad and Turbo. He's just like, <laughs> I'm tired of this intervention dance. I want out. And there he goes. There he goes. There he goes. He heads on out. Very nice. Very nice. What is your joke one that you've got? Thomas? So for mine, ironically, I, so I'd read this issue before Mm -hmm. and never really picked up on it for this podcast, going back and rereading these, I saw this and couldn't help but laugh in spectacular Spider-Man number 277. There is a panel in which Jackal comes in and says, well, 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 what do we have here? And it's spider side sitting at a computer and Jekyll says, you know, what are you doing? Playing a few rounds of Leisure Suit Larry. Now, I'm a man of many hobbies. <laughs> I grew up on Sierra games like Leisure Suit Larry, King's Quest, Police Quest, Quest for Glory, all of those games. And ironically, I run LarryLaffer.net, which is focused on Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> so after having read this, I actually posted it on the site. I said, hey. By the way, Leo Suit Larry gets spotted in Spectacular Spider-Man 277. <laughs> I posted it to Twitter and tagged Al Lowe, who is the creator of Leo Suit Larry, who then retweeted it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Nice. I thought it was funny that I read it, obviously, when it first came out. and just didn't dawn on me then for doing research for this podcast. I read it again and was like, holy beep. <laughs> Let me put this on LarryLaffer.net and uh, make reference to it. So I thought that was really cool. That just made me laugh because I was like, I can't believe they made a Lee Shoot Larry reference. And I think you meant to say 227. I think you were saying 277, but yeah, 227. Oh, yeah. It might be 227. Yeah. I like any good pop culture references. It's always good to have that in there. So yeah, not too bad. I can guess what yours is going to be, Rick. Which one do you think it is? Well, Bubba. Wow. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I am I'm a little scared how, how you figured that one out and I don't want to know but yes you are correct this is in New Warriors number 62 on page 7 <laughs> Rich Ryder is out at lunch with his girlfriend ex-girlfriend whatever above them <laughs> is a is a billboard and it's Bubba's All-American Burgers inhale this and yep. talk about another good pop culture reference mm-hmm. we've got Bill Clinton the very cartoon size Bill Clinton with a big old burger and it's Bubba's all American burgers and hail this. I had to go for that one. And I don't know why you <laughs> thought I would, but we've been doing the show too long to get I'm, there. I'm a prognosticator. I'm a time <laughs> slip, man. I can, I can only, uh, I can only transpose timelines with myself in very boring circumstances. So I can't tell you about stocks or lotteries or tragedies. I could just be like, I can slip into my future self and hear Rick say, 
Bubba's all American Burgers. Bubba's all American Burgers. Yep, 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 yep. yep. <laughs> Let's move on to the good art. Top good art. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go ahead. I'll go first on this one here. I'm going to go to 65, which we mentioned before because it's got Namorine on the cover. And this is Midway Friday's back. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And Friday's popping out of the of the river. Big old waterfall of water. There's a lens flare that goes off on the side. And... It's just a big sploosh. It's a pretty good entrance for Friday. I I liked it. I thought it was really cool. I thought it was pretty awesome. And it's a great, great, great entrance. Yeah. According to the uh, kind of the canon that they have in that issue as well, it's she's just been parked at the bottom of the Hudson. Yeah. Just so waiting for power pack. Just yep. give her a call. Hang it out. <laughs> as, I do as like as the aspect do. in that too, where she's asking Alex, just like, Alex, but where's the rest of power pack? What happened to him? And he's like, I'd like to know too, Friday. It's like, <laughs> ah, Alex. Alex, quit being the worst. <laughs> Thomas, what do you have on yours for the top art? So I think my top art and I just liked how they did it. Um, was actually when they introduced Time Slip in her costume. Mm-hmm. I just, I love that panel. Just to me, nice, easy panel. Also easy on the eyes. Uh, just <laughs> thought it was a great costume. And it was great to see her, you know, finally be more than just this girl who keeps pestering the new warriors. Like, hey, Speedball, you're going to die. And finally see her get a costume and a, mm-hmm. and a cool costume. You know what I mean? It does look really neat. And it, it is it is a simple panel. It is just, it's the full top to bottom reveal of her costume. And you can tell that the artist put yeah, some time holding. into drawing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's holding the calm links. <laughs> yep. Because, yeah, to show that she has speed abilities. It's like, yeah, it's like Carlton. Carlton had said, okay, now. And then. Scarlet Spider's like, my coffee dropping sense is going off. And he's dropping a coffee and it just shows the coffee cup slowly (laughs) falling to the ground while there's a little zip, 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 zip. And yeah, Rena has gotten everybody's comm badges before the coffee had hit the ground. It is a very good, very good shot. It's a very good costume. And I I do think they do things right with her, too. It's just revealing enough. But that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's kind of the uh, New Warriors (laughs) costuming is... (laughs) <laughs> well, this it's is what like, happens when you let yeah. Carlton, you know, design clad females. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, man. Can't take you anywhere, kid. Gosh. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about your best one. Jeff, what is your best piece of artwork? My top one is in Web of the Scarlet <laughs> Spider number three, and I call it Firelight, Firebright, First Firestar I See Tonight. And this is on page 16, and it is uh, her flying above the city, and I ju- it was just gorgeous. I kept flipping back that page. It's just, she's almost like in a dancer's pose while flying through the air with her microwave transmissions. And it's just, wow, that is just a pretty piece of art. Yeah, this is, I think, the second time you've picked a good old Firestar picture. Possibly. But I think previously I'd gone for a Turbo. Uh, you had just Turbo, because... and then the first one you had Firestar, and Firestar wasn't wearing much because most of her clothes were torn oh, off. Oh, I think that was a... That was a joke one. That was my mm, top joke. I'm going to call that one your your regular one. But no, that is a nice one. That is a nice one there of, of Firestar up in the sky. Yeah, I do like her costume there, too. I like how uh, this artist had, designs her costume. It's definitely much cooler than her just straight-up yellow costume. And mm-hmm. I'm all for the jacket. <laughs> all for the jackets. 
<laughs> All right, let's move on to extreme moments. What was the best moment in the entire arc? What was the moment that really made it jump out for you? And Jeff, let's go back to you. What was your favorite moment? This was just a real subtle beat. I, re- I did, in fact, like the subtle beat of the Power Kids really pranking on Alex to get back at him for stealing the powers to kind of, you know, it's like, oh, we're kids. What can we do? But the there's a different another character beat in Spectacular Spider-Man that was just, it was simple. It was really tiny and condensed, but I loved it. And that's when MJ gets to see clone uh, Gwen and they get to kind of meet for, you know, like again for the first time. Oh, yeah, and I'm yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. oh, it's just like, oh, Gwen, you're back. And she's like, well, actually, I'm a clone of Gwen. I still have all these good feelings about you, even though I'm a clone. And it was just MJ basically just grabbing her and just going, I'm just so glad I get to see my friend again. And them being happy for each other. And I I love that little moment because it was just, it was wholesome and it was nice. And it was not this edgy, mature 90s stuff that's been going on where people are just violent with each other. It was a moment where it could have been like, oh, this could be very contentious because it's like, mm-hmm. well, you're not going to steal my man. Well, he's mine now because he's a client, you know, any of that kind of stuff. It was just simply like, my friend is back. I get to see my friend again. I loved her then. I love her now. Mm-hmm. Well, she's a clone. Well, who cares? It's still my friend. Yeah, and, and they were nice to each other. Gwen was happy for MJ that she found mm-hmm. happiness with Peter and just, okay. This is the life now. I'm not here. I know that me is dead and I'm a clone. So be happy for my friend. And MJ is like, I'm not going to be jealous. You know, Peter's being honest with me here. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. It was nice. Very nice. Yeah, it was great. And there was the aspect, too, that uh, Gwen was even like, I'm so glad to find out that you two got together. Yeah. Thomas, do you have anything to say on that one at all? Or Because I'm not a super big fan of clones. <laughs> I, have nothing, I have nothing to counter about that. I mean, if someone likes it, someone likes it. Like, you know, people people like what they'll like. I'm not meaning that in a bad way. Like people like cable and stuff like that. I'm just not a fan myself because of the whole clone thing. Like I'd like a clone if it's just going to be a quick short story that the clone goes away some way. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I have my own different favorite moment, but I've hit me with your favorite moment then, man. What is your top moment? Most extreme moment in here? For me, I really liked Helix. Like the fact that he survived the carrion virus. And so there's the scene, uh, I want to say it was in New Warrior 62, where New Warriors are trying to fight him and basically contain him. And Scarlet Spider shows up. It's just a good scene where he is just able to bust through everything. Like he just, his body keeps adapting to everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I just thought that was a really cool power set. The only thing I didn't like about it, if I can say what I didn't like about my favorite moment, was that when Helix grew his spikes, he pretty much looked exactly like Protocol. Yeah. Or... You know, the, the, this big hulking guy with spikes. They looked very similar if you put them side by side. Yeah. So that was the only thing I didn't like. Like, I like yeah. that moment that his body adapts, spikes grow out, and he just breaks the webbing. But then as soon as I, you know, next issue over, I see, I want to say it's protocol, and I look, and I'm like, yeah, now these two look exactly alike in this panel. Pretty like, much. Helix just needs redder skin. Yeah. yeah. Helix was actually a bulkier, more spiky version of protocol. It was yes. kind of like... Yeah. Well, you took a ridiculous design and said, I can work with this. <laughs> yeah. Let's kick it up a notch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it's not like the artist likes spikes. We already talked about Namorita and her new spiky yep. outfit. And so, yeah. <laughs> I see a theme going on here. <laughs> Apparently, I like spikes also. <laughs> <laughs> it's my kink. What can I say? <laughs> my top moment was the end of 
issue 63 when Cyanix shows up for the fight. It's a bit of a left <laughs> turn. I was a little sad that we didn't have more. It's like they showed up and then we went right back into the clone saga. It's like, well, hang on. There's some good meat here about here's this team that used to be New Warriors biggest enemies being run by their friends, Night Thrasher and Rage. Let's get into that. No, we don't. But just that end of that issue, it's a great moment where it's like, yeah, I ain't expecting this. And here they come. And here comes Night Thrasher with his new team. Mm -hmm. And I do like that twist. I thought that that was a really interesting arc or a really interesting moment that I just wish they could have done more with. And it was a great cliffhanger to it as well. Yeah. What's funny about that is... That's the second time Night Thrasher has done that. So previously, I want to say issue 24 of New Warriors, he joins the Folding Circle, which is a group of villains that have been fighting the New Warriors, and he shows up with them to fight the New Warriors. So Night Thrasher's got a habit here of siding with the villains to lead them and bumping heads with the New Warriors. But isn't Psionics a hero team? just edgier and yet more mature and they kind of are so edgy and mature that they just are flub ups i mean eh, hero as in you know i believe the company is called gene tech they basically hired them to do stuff that at times could be questionable <laughs> so i don't know if they're heroes anti-heroes or somewhere in the gray okay well let's talk one last thing, and that's seat at the table. There's a lot of new warriors, even more. We got two more new warriors, but the table is only so big. So who did the best? Who gets that really nice comfy chair and who gets to stand in the corner and stare at their feet? So who's best? Who's worst? We start off with the worst warrior. Guys, I'm opening up the table. Who wants to go with their pick for worst warrior? I'll take a stab. And if we want to consider him a warrior during this time, mm -hmm. uh, Rich Rider. Rich Rider by far. Yeah. 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 I would say he takes the seat at the worst. He has no power, so he should just stand and stare at his feet anyway. That'll be his power for the day is looking at his shoe size. Yeah. Or tried to be helpful yeah. in any way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was violent towards team members. Everything he was doing was just no reason that anybody should want you on their team. Yeah. Especially now that you don't have a power set. I, I, am, I am not a fan of hindsight at all. But he brings, <laughs> he brings something to the team. He brings tech support. He brings questionable morals in purchasing power, which we'll get to soon enough. He does things that are horrible. But the thing is, is that he does it with the intent of making the new warriors better. He tries his best. Rich Rider doesn't. And he also broke Friday. <laughs> yes, immediately. Immediately. <laughs> No, I am with you. I think we have we all agree that Rich Rider is the worst warrior there is. I almost had Alex on there because he brought Friday into this mess and he's still ignoring his family. I mean, <laughs> Alex is right there. Alex Alex is sitting down, but he's got the worst chair that you can sit in. <laughs> I thought Vance deserved a pretty bad chair as well. Van, honestly, Vance is right next to him too. I mean, the, yeah. the, the, we got we got. I think I had a harder time figuring out who was the best. I had a real hard time figuring out who was the best because I. There's a little bit of medi mediocrity going on at this point in time. <laughs> the bar is low. <laughs> the bar is really low. <laughs> but who cleared that bar? Who gets the comfy chair this time? Jeff, you want to start us off? Time slip. Time slip? All right. I like time slip. Time slip had no reason to be involved at all, 
other than that she had a vision of some harm coming to a stranger. And she's like, you know what? I think I've seen these people on the news. I'm going to do everything I can to try and track them down and warn them of an impending danger. She wasn't very good at that. I mean, she was great at tracking down Robbie, but she wasn't very good at like being convincing with the story because it was very much just like, I know who you are and you are going to die. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had something in my throat. <laughs> she continually pursued trying to do the right thing. And then she saved Carlton. And I like hindsight because he is really good tech support. He's actually useful at a lot of things that they need. All right. Thomas, who did you think is the best? For me, that was actually an easy one. Uh, it has to do with Firestar. I enjoyed the idea that she was now questioning her power mm-hmm. and went ahead and decided, no, rather than just, I'm going to think about like what my power can be doing. She went to get mm-hmm. checked out. She went to a medical center to see, could they be right? Am I doing something to myself and possibly others? So I thought that was a very mature step that you normally don't see in heroes. You know, they yeah. just blow buildings up left and right and mm-hmm. say someone else will pick up the bill for me. The other aspect that I really liked is she kept her head clear during the whole Spider-Man saga and was able to pinpoint in the end who Peter Parker slash Scarlet Spider was yeah. when he slipped. I like that a lot. She did more than the rest of us did with that. We all, I don't Yeah, I had no idea what was happening in the issue until Firestar told me. She's smarter than me. That's great. I'm with you. I'm with you on Firestar. Firestar was mine as well. Like I said, for me, I had a hard time picking one. And so I ended up going with her. And I've got two. Being responsible. She's trying to figure out her powers. I had that written down as well. So I I am right there agreeing with you on that as well. And I, I don't think I can add anything to it either. It's a good pick. Who's the worst? Okay, pick a male person. Yeah. Who's the best? Pick a female person. Yeah. And you're kind of not wrong in doing it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely Definitely agree. All right. I think that we have been talking about this long enough. We need to kind of start wrapping things up. But before we do, we need to talk a little bit about our drinks of choice this time. Thomas, you've been drinking that Coke Zero for Zero G. Yes. Apparently, it's one of your favorite drinks. I mean, you probably have nothing bad to say about it, right? I don't. The only thing I can say bad about it is now that I'm working from home, I have to pay for it myself. Whereas at work, Uh, it's free. mm -hmm. Time to step into the office. Yeah. Gotta stop into the office with the little red rider wagon. <laughs> just just put it put in a put in an invoice request for a delivery to this address. No questions asked. Whereas Jeff and I are not drinking soda tonight. Jeff and I are drinking the stout from Spider City Brewing Company. Yes, Widow Stout. Jeff, what do you think about this? It is exactly what it was when we began. It mm-hmm. is Fine. It is a very dark stout. It is a pleasant taste. It is easy on the tongue and the senses. There's really nothing challenging or complex about it at all. It's just, it's really good at what it is. Yes, and I find it boring. Yeah. Yeah, it's the best there is at what it does and what it is, is bland. It's not an untasteful bland. It's just... No, it's... That's the thing. It's not bad in any stretch. I am enjoying it. It's good for what it is. But what it is, is it's, there's no tricks in this pony. It's just like, oh, that's a pony. I love ponies. Yes, I am a pony. It's something I could drink again easily. I'm not going to. Oh, easy. I could, I could pour these down my throat. Not a problem. (laughs) I'm not going to go as low as a three. I'm going to go 3.5. Feeling the same. It's just not exciting, but it is a good, solid stout. 
And it's a cool yep. can. It's a very cool oh, it can. it is a beautiful can. That is <laughs> that is a cool can. Shout out time. We like to recognize those listeners who take the time to write in or leave us a review. This is for episode 89, which was our interview with Hillary Barda, Charles Gears, Charlie Rose, Chris Reeves, Ed 209, Fractal, Gene Hendricks, our guest Hillary Barda, who said, Yakety yak, stop talking, Barda. Hoover Jeremiah and his podcast four million years later. Jeremy Daw, who left a wonderful message on our website. You should really read it and check it out. And he also bought one of our t-shirts. That was awesome. Thank you, man. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jeremy. That's great. Raw Beer Heart. Tim Price, the podcrasher, and his show, The Outcasters. We also want to thank our wonderful Patreon supporters. They make this show possible. They make a lot of things possible. And so, adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging, cheesy, and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Exciting, energetic, and entertaining Edward Verrocci. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Bollier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Rudely rhyming and running Rustin Fritcher. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Strange and stirringly steady Stephen Gray. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Technically terrific and triumphant Todd Edock. Weird and wonderfully wacky Wind. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much to all the people that helped us out on this, especially our guest tonight, Thomas and NewWarriors.com, where we took a whole bunch of information. Corey Blake, who was our guest for our first show, and his website, New Warriors Continuity Conundrum, which we also took a lot of information from. And our guest next week, who is going to be David Gallagher, and to our guest from last week, Delvin the Dark Web Williams. Thank you guys for all your help, but especially right now, thank you very much, Thomas. And I'd like to give you an opportunity to tell the folks where they can find you, where they can listen to you, or where they can send you messages to talk about how your love for Name Rita has really just changed your life and changed the direction of your life. And it's been going on since like New Warriors number one. Like (laughs) this is a very long, unhealthy fetish I have. (laughs) I am a man of way too many hobbies. As you said, you can find me at newwarriors.com, website for New Warriors, everything about New Warriors. I have the Twitter, uh, new underscore warriors. I also have what is called a machinima series, which is just basically a movie series that you use with computers, which is at neverendingnights.com. And it's nights as in N-I-G-H-T-S. You can also find me on my personal website at thomas.com, T-A-W-M-I-S.com. And I also do a podcast, which has been on hold, um, but you can go there for comicreliefpodcast.com. Well, I'm glad that we had an opportunity to meet you uh, and talk to you. And I would like to do more talking with you as we go forward, because I find you to be absolutely fascinating. And you have a (laughs) variety of interests, not to mention your love of Leisure Suit Larry, which is a whole other (laughs) thing that we can talk about later. But (laughs) I want to thank thank you very much for all of your time and and all of your uh, contributions to help us out. Thank you so much. We, we do really appreciate it. And this has been a lot of fun talking with you. Uh, it's, it's been my pleasure. I had a really good time with this. 
I'm always nervous when I'm coming on to someone else's show because I, I feel like I can talk too much, especially if it's a subject matter I am passionate about or I love a lot. So I was really nervous about coming on here and making sure I don't just blah, 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 the whole time. So I felt very comfortable, like within minutes of just bantering in the beginning, you guys made me feel very welcome, very much part of this team. So uh, it was a great pleasure Yay. for me. Thank you. And, th- and that's what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a collaboration. Anytime we have anybody on, it's like, you're doing us a favor. So, <laughs> And be sure to check out our other shows that we are on. Our junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast and monthly Monday movie muckabout on the Longbox Crusade Podcast. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff from Recrescent is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recording in front of a live studio audience of somebody drawing on a pad in San Diego, California, and Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. And my wife, Amy, and my corgi, Moxie May. And I want to do a very special shout out to my dog, Odin, who isn't with us anymore. Uh, he left us after 17 years. Aww. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Hit the Streets. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Computech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Super Street Fighter 2! You are muted! Test. Test. My family knows what's up. I mean, we came over for a belated four-year-old's birthday party and did a seven hours of day drinking so they know it was pretty great <laughs> it was pretty fantastic but... yeah, I, I can i can attest to that that was that was with me so, yeah. <laughs> so the four-year-olds were drinking oh god yeah they were just ten-year-old, yeah yeah they were just nuts test test that's uh that's uh yeah this decade's version of uh that would be a great band name is you should do a yeah. podcast on <laughs> that do a podcast about it yeah hey look i can keep a beat we should have a band. <laughs> <laughs> I can keep a beat. That'd be a great band name. Yeah. Jeff, you want to leave that us we could do a podcast us? about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just Ouroboros <laughs> eating our own tail. Yes. You won't. Yeah. They write song. We write songs about the podcast and podcast about the songs about that we wrote. And, and then <laughs> and we blog about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> test. Test. Speedball is having some power control issues, but he also gets a call from Rena Patel, who says that she knows his secret identity and that she wants to talk to him about his impending... Nah, I lost breath. Test. Test. Yeah, especially when it's just like, it's like, hey, 
Thomas, check out my new car that I got. And you're like, sweet, I'm driving. And it's like, Ooh, okay. And you're <laughs> no, like, I've been and driving longer than you. No, no, no. Check, yeah. check out my brand new self-driving car. I mean, I bought this car because it's a self-driving <laughs> car. Self-driving car. And, 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 and Thomas comes in and says, really? Well, I'm going to get in here and I'm pull the steering wheel right on out. And I, yeah. I didn't say you could get in my car. And that's not how you do. Can you can you stop to get in? We're going to go rock yeah. and roll. But this yeah. is uh, my my. Mm. Get in. We're gonna make it down that path, you know, that footpath, that six foot wide footpath. The car won't fit. I'll make it fit. No, 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 no. Question: Why do I have to be rich in this story? Okay, sorry. It's because I was looking at the screen. It could have been anybody. No, it's actually fine. Thomas. My infatuation, <laughs> with, my infatuation with Namorita totally fits that I I would be I okay, play rich in this why. role. Here's why. It's because I'm trying to uh, shift the narrative because it was me taking your uh, self-driving car and I drove it down like a public access roadway and into a, a, a people tunnel uh, this, repetitively this is... while you're like, um, hey, Jeff, you know, that's not a road. And I'm like, it's a road if I say so's that river. And you're like, yeah, yeah it's a road yeah. now. It's a road now. Yeah, it's a road now. now. Test, test. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Claw. Get Mr. Gadget now. <laughs> there it is. That's the one. Nice. 